It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Each of you are treasured. You're valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. You were made for this moment. And thank you to this team I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Friday, producer Steve. Wahoo. (laughs) It sure comes quickly every week, doesn't it? I, I sound like a broker record, but I say you start the week on that unmentionable day, a little bit of uh, drudgery, I guess. And I don't know how I get so lost. It's Friday already. <laughs> it is. We've got a lot of work to do. And you know what? It's an Alan Thomas Friday. Alan Thomas is in studio. Wow. <laughs> it's great to have you here. It's always great being here, Kim. Thanks for having me. It seems like you were here just yesterday. I know. It, it's really flown by, hasn't it? I know it. I know it. And you know what today is, Producer Steve? It is... Karen Levine's birthday. And you know Karen Levine, longtime uh, partner of both the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories with Kim Munson. I'm pretty sure she's 29 again. Well, I don't. We did. We discovered yesterday she was there for the debut of The Wizard of Oz. I, <laughs> you won't let that go, will you? <laughs> I don't think she's going to let that go either. I don't think so. I think she's going to going to make sure that she remembers that. She brought goodies yesterday for Valentine's Day. Uh, I think the next time she's going to bring something different. <laughs> I think you're going to get a lump of coal next time, producer Steve. Yeah. But happy birthday, Karen Levine. Uh, she is a, a treasured friend, and she is also a great great partner of the show, so I greatly appreciate that. If you're going to buy or sell a home, whether or not it's an existing home or a new build, you really want to reach out to Karen Levine. Her phone number is 303-877-7516. You might even give her a call and wish her happy birthday today. Again, that's 303-877-7516. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. I so greatly appreciate that. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Socialism is not about free stuff. It That uh, free stuff is just the carrot to get you to vote for it. Socialism ultimately comes down to force. And remember, my friends, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or livelihood via force. In the old days, they came across the hill with a weapon and they took your stuff. But now they use policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, or the latest silent thief, government-induced inflation. And our quote for today is from Patrick Henry. He was one of the founding fathers, and uh, he was an anti-federalist. And, Alan, I'm so excited about um, what we'll be talking about today because uh, this stemmed from the conversation that we had last last time you were on regarding federalists and anti-federalists. So you've done a lot of research on this. Yeah, I had to do a lot of reading within a month here, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun reading it and very interesting and, and thought-provoking as well. Well, the piece that you've written, what the anti-federalists got right, will be it'll be roll out in the newsletter this weekend, and then it'll be on the website. Uh, a lot of great research. You've done so many great pieces. This may be your best yet. 
Oh, well, thank you, Kim. I'm excited to have it out. It's, it really is a terrific piece. This is the quote from Patrick Henry. And he said, power is the great evil with which we are contending. We have divided power between three branches of government and erected checks and balances to prevent abuse of power. However, where is the check on the power of the judiciary? If we fail to check the power of the judiciary, I predict that we will eventually live under judicial tyranny. Wow. What do you think? I mean, that, that's the thing about reading some of the anti-federalist papers. They had a lot of warnings that, that are starting to feel a little too close to home. You know, and, and when you have an activist judge and, you know, Biden's going to get the opportunity to appoint a judge mm-hmm. and he's already decided he's going to be racist about it and just mm-hmm. do it based on skin color now. Um, but you start to see... Insects as well. A, right, a black woman. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Race and mm-hmm. sex. He's already decided what they're going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead of the merits. Exactly. But but that's the point. You, you know, when the Federalists were arguing about the judiciary, they pictured a judiciary that would always rule based on the law. On not the Constitution. What, not what the judge wanted. Mm-hmm. What, not what they thought the rule should be. Not what they thought it was going to be. And we've had this activism, this this activism in the judiciary, not only in the Supreme Court, but in lower courts as well. And it's really impacted the the rule of law. And and they can change law. They can create law. You know, I've talked about qualified immunity in the Mm -hmm. past, how just uh, that was a Supreme Court judge who just said, this is now a thing. And now we now we act like it is. So, you know, a lot of these warnings we have to take with a good deal of measure and see how we've gotten there. That way we can get back to where we were supposed to be. Can I, you know, can I mention a, a week, an example, just this week, uh, that this kind of covers uh, this uh, Sarah, oh, geez, Sarah Palin's uh, lawsuit against the New York Times for libel. I, from what I understand, reading about the case, she had a case, but the judge kind of said, no, 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 you really don't. And even signaled the jury that as soon as you come up with a verdict, I'm going to, what's, what's the term they use? Dismiss it. Dismiss it, yeah. Well, and and so once again, instead of looking for a justice, which justice is supposed to be have blinders on, instead of looking for justice on this, this is an opinion by um, by a judge. And again, looking back to Patrick Henry as they were debating on the Constitution, what this was all gonna, going to look like, many of their concerns now that we're uh, you know, so far over 200 years, 200 plus years um, into this country, we've seen it's it's been a it's been a progression. I guess when you talk about progressives, it's been a progression where they have very actively tried to undermine the Constitution, and the anti-federalists were very concerned about that. They were. And, and, you know, to be fair, when we, we start talking about what the Anti-Federalists got right, I, I do want to add the caveat. I think the Federalists got quite a bit right. Okay. You know, the, the Anti-Federalists did not get everything right. A lot of their concerns were actually very mirrored concerns of the Federalists. The differences in opinion they had were more means and methods. So, you know, what this quote by Patrick Henry kind of proves, you know, there were a lot of Federalists that were also very concerned about power and about how the it's human nature for for adverse selection of power, right? The people that want power are typically the people you don't want to have power, <laughs> right? Um, there's there's very few people that are thrust into a position of power that that do it under 
you know, self-service and self-sacrifice, George Washington mm-hmm. being an, an amazing example of that. He didn't really want to be president, but he did it for the betterment of the country. And then he stepped away from it. And, you know, a lot of the anti-federalists were very worried that he was going to be a monarch, that they were basically in, installing a monarchy. And he was the perfect example to say, no, this is what our federal government is. We want people here who will step away from power when they have the opportunity But we do recognize that there is this human nature that wants to grab power and use it, you know, maybe not necessarily just for evil, but definitely self-interested power, right? So they may disagree about the means and the methods and whether they wanted to keep the Articles of Confederation versus our Constitution as we have it. But it was interesting reading the Anti-Federalists, how they were talking about natural rights, how they were talking about liberty and freedom and and being fearful of power being consolidated. So there was a lot of agreement between the two sides on this fear of power and fear of it getting out of check. Well, and uh, so we'll talk a lot more about this in segments three and four, and these are such important conversations uh, to have. And again, our goal is to help people search for truth and clarity, and we do that by reading and learning and uh, people can go to the website on Sunday after we get this posted, because as you've said, you have done a lot of reading over this last month to come up with this piece, and not everybody has all that time. But to go to trusted sources, there is so much in this particular op-ed that you've done that I would highly recommend that people do that. Uh, one other thing regarding our quotes for the day. Uh, what we are, are doing now, we started our new social media uh, kind of revamping, if you will. We're doing two f- posts each day. One at the beginning of the day is our quote of the day. And then by the end of the day, we will have the uh, daily show with the, the uh, podcast. And it's, it's really been an effort to get us to that point. But we're excited about that. So we're going to post that on Facebook. Next week, when the Trump Media Group, when they kick off, we're going to also have a presence over there. But you know Zach, he always comes up with these great images. And I missed this one, so you might want to go check this out on Tuesday. Our quote was a quote from George Mason, who I think was also an anti-federalist. And this was his quote. It said, Considering the natural lust for power so inherent in man, I fear the thirst of power will prevail to oppress the people. And the image that uh, Zach chose was one of JFK uh, and... um, I don't know quite quite what was going on, so I, I just looked at him. And I'm like, that's kind of odd because I, I kind of like JFK. He cut taxes, and I think he'd probably be more Republican, uh, lower government, limited government. And so I didn't quite get it. And Zach is always kind of like a where's Waldo, and he said, "Well, Kim, the person off to the left in the photo is a young Nancy Pelosi." And then you think about she's still in government, and so sometimes you have to. You have to kind of look a little deeper on these pictures. So you might want to go to the website, KimMunson.com, and check out Tuesday's post, and it's down near the bottom. But there is a young Nancy Pelosi, and she's not so young anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's that'll go perfectly, I think, in the later segment with one of the, the quotes I had in talking about how people get into government and don't want to leave it. She doesn't want to leave. Hey, we have on the line with us Mary Alpers, and you know her. She and Steve Cruz are co-owners of Three Points Financial. They're a fee-only financial planning firm, and they can really help you set yourself up for success. Mary Alpers, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. And happy Friday. Happy Friday. And Mary, <laughs> you you really look at the the whole person, I would say, when when you're sitting down with people and you kind of interview each other and make sure that that it's a good fit. And when it is, then you provide three three points of, of financial success. What are those, Mary? They are retirement planning, investment strategies and planning, and tax planning and preparation. And what so about do, this? We do all three. You do all three. And you can actually uh, prepare people's taxes as well, right? We do. Um, some people already have a CPA they like, and that's fine. But the bulk of our, our clients, we do. And the reason why we offer this is um, we're, we're really re- unique in this in that um, we are able to then see the whole picture. And that makes that changes recommendations on all three ends. Um, it's really multifaceted analysis, and uh, it helps protect the client. We have we had something this week where um, we were really. I'm actually providing an expert witness for somebody who doesn't feel they've been handled well, and they were a minor during part of it. So uh, she is uh, uh, working with an attorney, and they asked me to write up something that would justify this and. It was really amazing what we were able to put together to show that had they been looking at the whole picture, there are a whole lot of things would have been different in her situation. And one of the most glaring I've ever seen. And so we spent quite a long time putting this all together for her. And that's above and beyond, you know, what we normally do with clients. But it was uh, really important. Well, and again, those all those things are connected. Let's talk just a little bit about the investments component. Okay, and I do want to bring up one thing because we're finding that clients and people they know are maybe missing this on the new, you know, with a high standard deduction. So I'm going to hit taxes real quick, and then I'll talk about stocks. But um, if you're taking the standard deduction on your tax return and you've given to charity, and you've given, you know, significantly more than a couple hundred dollars, you should still track these because there's a place on the Colorado return where you put these in, and those go in addition to where you're starting with your income on the um, Colorado tax return. So we had a client that gave over $5,000, but they were still falling under the standard deduction because their mortgage was paid off and, the standard deduction is so high now, so there's this gap. And so we put this, you know, if you put that on the Colorado State Tax Return, you have to upload or attach the charitable with you. That's an, a significant additional deduction you can get on Colorado okay. beyond the normal. So I thought I would just mention that. Be uh, Watch out for that when you're getting your return done. And then the IRS allows $300 on the federal, in addition to standard deduction, if you're single, and 600 if you're married. So just real briefly, uh, watch those deductions and make sure that color, you're not losing those on the Colorado side. Great point. So um, on to investments. Um, last week we talked about bonds, which real briefly, you are lending a company when you buy a bond with the hope and promise of something back, principal and interest in some form or another, and they're less volatile. Stocks are usually seen as the more exciting part of your portfolio um, and sometimes nerve-wracking if you haven't 
<laughs> if you, if yeah, a roller coaster is exciting those, too, Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you if you aren't allocated properly for your age and with a long term horizon, and we that's what we work with. We don't jump in and out of markets, and we have people not have the uh, the hole in their stomach overstock. But most people, be it with the cost of living and with inflation and with their goals of wanting to move towards retirement, they need some level of stocks in the market and what are in their portfolio. And what stocks really are, are they're, you're buying pieces of the company. You're not lending, you're buying. And you're saying, I expect the value of this to go up. And um, it can go up with value. It can even go up with dividends, which is basically a reward for owning a stock. And so it's really important that you have both. And but at what allocation and what percentage is you know that's where it's so important to work with someone that understands long term horizon and you know you don't have you're not eighty percent in the stock market and you're fifty years old and so um, that's where we come in and also the stocks and the way you buy them which stocks there's all different kinds of sectors how do you buy them and what accounts are they in tax deferred accounts and taxable accounts, that's where we come in. So Three Points Financial tries to, as I said, see all three points of your financial life and make sure they all fit together. Well, and how can people reach you? ThreePointsFinancial.com or 719-495-7163. Mary, and on ThreePointsFinancial.com, you, you can email us directly from there or you can fill out a form. And again, that's threepointsfinancial.com. Mary Alpers, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye-bye. And we'll be right back. Alan Thomas is in studio. Before we go to break, though, another great sponsor of the show is Hooters Restaurants. There's five locations. That's Loveland, Westminster, Aurora, Lone Tree, and Colorado Springs. And their lunch specials, Monday through Friday, are they're just delicious. I love, I love their fish and chips. Uh, but uh, they are keeping the line on their lunch specials. They haven't inflated those prices yet. And so it's a great place to get together with friends. Again, that's Hooters Restaurants. You can find all my sponsors on my website. Highly recommend each and every one of them. We'll be right back with Alan Thomas. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. 
And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Uh, In studio with me is Alan Thomas. We'll be talking about his very excellent op-ed, What the Anti-Federalists Got Right, in the third and fourth segment. Uh, But before we get into that, several different things. Uh, First of all, Alan, let's go through the bill of the day. And uh, this is, let me get to it. The sponsors on this are Matt Gray and Leslie Harrod, representatives, and Senators Faith Winter and Chris Hansen. They are all Democrats. And the name of this is to reduce employee single occupancy vehicle trips. And basically what it does in the bill's summary, it says for income tax years beginning on or after January January 1, 2023, uh, but before 2030, the bill creates an income tax credit for an employer that, one, creates a clean commuting plan to implement strategies to increase the use of alternative transportation options and reduce the number of measurable vehicle miles driven by its employees in single occupancy vehicles when commuting to and from their work site. It's called the Clean Commuting Plan. For the purpose of reducing automobile-related air pollution, traffic congestion, and transportation costs, particularly for essential workers and workers earning under $40,000 per year. Number two, it conducts an employer commuter survey conducts an employer commuter survey to determine how its employees commute to and from their work site, and three, offers two or more alternative transportation options to some or all of its employees in furtherance of the employer's clean commuting plan. The amount of the tax credit is 50% of the amount spent by the employer to provide alternative transportation options to some or all of its employees. You talk about being outside their lane on what government's supposed to do. Again, I want to give you the names of these. That's Matt Gray, Leslie Harrod, Faith Winter. Her goal, she's not a representative of the people. She goes down to that state capitol trying to figure out how to take away your freedom of mobility. And Chris Hansen. I recognize this one the second I started reading it. I think this is a rehab from last year it is okay they, they keep coming back they keep coming back alan what do you think about this uh, you know basically it's them admitting that their public transportation options are terrible and they've done such a j- bad job of making them uh available in the public public sphere and people aren't using them that now they're trying to force employers to do their jobs for them well it's 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 coerced at this particular point in time but they are saying you don't have to pay all your taxes if you do this so it's a it's a coercion but what we found out is when the coercion doesn't work the next thing's going to be force exactly you know and it's it's funny all this money and you know the roads aren't getting fixed still (laughs) you know and it's it's so shocking how we've gone from you know, admitting that, you know, we need to tell some employers what not to do, you know, don't pollute, don't treat your employees terribly, you know, don't kill people through your products. But that's slowly morphed into, well, now you're forced to give a survey on the commuting options of your employees. Like, at what point in time are we going to say, you know what, just go run your business, provide a good and service to the world and make the world a better place? You think? And Steve, you look like you want to say something. Holy bureaucracy, Batman. (laughs) I love that. What? How much? You're going to need a staff of 30 to 50 people just to administer this thing. So bloat, bureaucracy, whatever you want to call it. Well, and the other thing is, is as as you go further into this, there's all these... Uh, force words. The words require is in there. 
and uh, and I love this. Offer its employees qualified transportation fringe benefits allowed pursuant to federal law. Fringe benefits. Huh. Well, I like the duplication. Like, yeah, federal law already requires you offer these benefits. So we're just going to make sure you have to do what you're already supposed to do anyway. It, yeah. It's mind-boggling. And this assault on people in their individual cars. Talked to Randall O'Toole about transportation quite a bit. He he writes for the Cato Institute. His blog is The Anti-Planner. He's an expert on transportation and also urban issues. And he said one of the most, and I'm paraphrasing now, one of the most compassionate things that you can do for, for somebody on the lower um, ladders of the economic scale, think about a mom. A single mom who uh, is trying to take care of her kids, making her ride a bus or ride the train instead of having that individual vehicle where she can go where she wants to, when she wants to. She can take her children where she wants to, when she wants to. And she has many more employment opportunities because if you just live on light rail up and down light rail, you're limited on your uh, choices there. And the other thing with crime increasing like it is in Denver, which is just totally because of public policy, tell you what, standing out outside on a, on a train, um, waiting for a train or a bus, it's dangerous. And uh, so, again, your individual vehicle is much safer. And here we have these Democrats again, Matt Gray, Leslie Herod, Faith Winner and Chris Hansen that are trying to take away your choices of mobility, and they're doing it under the guise of clean commuting. And, and you know, Kim, I would see it another way because I, I had a pretty decent commute all the way across Denver, and I always wanted to use the light rail. I mean, I would much rather read a book than stick around in traffic, but man, the, the cost of it and the time it took to get from one point to the other was just so cost and time prohibitive. I was like, no, this doesn't make sense for me. And and that's part of why I'm saying like that's them trying to legislate their failures onto employers is they've created this mass transportation that's so expensive and so time exhausting that people are like, no, it doesn't make sense for me to get on the light rail. It takes 45 minutes to get downtown. I can sit in traffic and get there in 45 minutes. Well, the other thing, Alan, and that is when I was on city council 2012 to 2016, across the country at that time, and I'm sure, I bet the numbers are worse now, but typically the cost of your fare, what you paid, only um, covers 20% 20% of the cost of running that that bus or that train. So if in the free market, you actually had to pay uh, five times more for that ticket, again, people would not make that choice. Even with all of the subsidizing of the price on this, people don't want to ride that. They would prefer their individual be- vehicles. Steve, you look, look like you want to say something. I wonder what that look looks like. Um, have we learned anything in the last two years? What is the demand for... Uh, the use of the highways or whatever in terms of uh, stay at home uh, white collar workers especially you know, where the, they don't need the brick and mortar they can do their jobs from home what what is that how does that factor into this well, those are all questions, but again, this is coercion. It's picking winners and losers. It's antithetical to what government is supposed to do. These people are not being representative of their of the people. They have an agenda that they are trying to push. And uh, again, we need to we need to show up at the ballot box and start to vote in people that represent us, we the people, instead of um, individual uh, I 
ideologies and agendas. But we're going to go to break. In studio with me is Alan Thomas. And this show comes to you because I have so many great partners. And on the line with me is a great partner of both the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories with Kim Munson. That's Hal Van Herkey. He and his wife, Linnea, are true entrepreneurs. They own Castlegate Knife and Tool, which is located right here in Sedalia, Colorado. Great website, castlegate.com. That's castlegate.com. Hal Van Herkey, what's the latest at Castlegate Knife and Tool? Hi, Kim. It's uh, great to be on again. Uh, things are pretty busy around Castlegate. Uh, we have... Uh, we're continuing our uh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day sale, even though uh, Valentine's has passed. But we're offering uh, 15% off of any kitchen cutlery, kitchen knives, steak knives, kitchen accessories, et cetera. And you can get that 15% off either on our website at castlegate.com or in our store at Sedalia, in Sedalia, Colorado. Everyone well, and you are continuing. Well, that's great. And you're Go continuing ahead. to expand your, your kitchen collection as well. Yeah, we've expanded um, to multiple lines of uh, uh, kitchen uh, cutlery. We have uh, two different lines, three different lines that are made in the U.S. Uh, We have a a full range of uh, different brands that are uh, Japanese uh, kitchen knives. And uh, we also have, uh, in order to showcase that, we did a pop-up store that we have over in the Mercantile in downtown Castle Rock as well, showing those brands. Is your store over at the Mercantile, is that pop-up, is that permanent? or Because uh, I know that you um, it opened it up right around the uh, Christmas time. Yeah, um, we're in there at least for the, I think we had a short-term lease at least for the next six months, so through June. Very nice. So you can uh, find yeah. Castlegate Knife and Tool right there in Sedalia or over at the pop-up store in the Mercantile in uh, Castle Rock. Al Van Herkey, thanks so much. And again, what is that website? It's uh, castlegate.com, castlegate.com, castlegate.com. Perfect. So, uh, Hal Van Herkey, we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much, and we'll be right back. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. It is an Alan Thomas Friday. I can't wait to get into his piece here, uh, What the Anti-Federalists Got Right. Before we do that, though, a couple of things. First of all, I need to make a clarification because I didn't give the total information correct 
yesterday when we were talking about the Douglas County Schools, the Douglas County School Board, I'd indicated that I was frustrated because I thought it was the Douglas County School Board that was going to release the names of those teachers that did the sick out uh, regarding the the firing of the superintendent. And also, uh, initially, that sick out was regarding their... um, Oh gosh, the, the the equity the the yeah. equity policy is what it was, uh, but then it was very convenient for them to redirect regarding the superintendent firing. So we had talked a bit a bit about that, and this board, I, I want to say, they're, they're regular people. This is how it is supposed to be: regular people stepping forward to represent parents and communities uh, regarding educating our children. And uh, there's two moms, a grandmother, a businessman, and father that have stepped forward to do this. They're not political uh, operatives. And there's, I think there's been some um, political kind of strategy um, rookie errors, if you will, uh, uh, Alan. But I do think that they really do, in their hearts, have the education of our children in in mind. But it's just there's been some strategic things that have been somewhat frustrating. Stumbled a little bit out of the gate, but hopefully they can remember why they got swept into mm-hmm. the board. You know, mm-hmm. that was the first time we swept all four and, and mm-hmm. took the majority away from these absolutely progressive activists, the, the activist board that's been there. But but yeah, I mean, you know, the core request wasn't from the board, and, and even Mike Peterson came out and said, "I I don't think you should be doing this. Don't intimidate our teachers. Let's they're they're there to teach our mm-hmm. kids, so let's show some respect." So, I, I do appreciate some of what they said, but at the same time, I'm I am proud that they you know said to Corey Wise, you know what? No, we've seen your record. We don't like what you're doing in the district. Let's get new, a new superintendent. Uh-huh. So, hopefully, they can keep listening to to the parents and not do this mill levy override and not try and take more money from us and instead try and trim some of the fat from the budget and figure out how to pay teachers more and get more done with less. I I agree with you on that. And so my clarification is, is I had had said that the board was going to release this names. That was incorrect. It was somebody had done a request for the names of those teachers. And then you said that, that, that that request has been rescinded. Either it was rescinded or they said they weren't going to do it. Okay. I've, I've heard conflicting on conflicting. Both, but okay. It hasn't gone out yet. Okay. So, but again, clarification, it was not the Douglas County school board that uh, was going to do this. It was going, it was an individual that had requested the information. And so stay tuned on that, but we want to make sure that we get things right here. And uh, so they wanted to make that clarification. Also tomorrow, there is going to be an election integrity uh, workshop uh, or forum tomorrow. And um I'm going to moderate the panel in the afternoon. I can't be there in the morning because Helen Raleigh and I are doing our media training workshop, which we're excited about. But the way to get information on this is to go to accfei.org and click on the Colorado event. It'd be great if you're there in person. It has all the information there. Uh, and uh, But if not, there will be an online uh, way to watch it as well. And Alan, there's so many people out there that is, on both sides of the aisle that there's, there's nothing. We need to, to understand what happened in 2020 so that we can make sure that our elections are free and fair and honest moving forward. And there's many people on both sides of the aisle say, nothing to see here, move along, nothing to see here, move along. Well, the more information I get about this, I'm not sure nothing to see here, move along is the correct answer. Many people do. However, 
learning about this is important. So instead of, um, you know, putting your blinders on and not wanting to learn, take a look at both sides of, of the question. And that is what is going to happen tomorrow. And I would highly recommend that people check that out. Again, it's ACCFEI.org. And uh, I think it's important. Knowledge is power, Alan. Exactly. You know, and that, that kind of goes pretty well into, you know, just because I read the anti-federalist papers doesn't mean I endorse everything that they wrote and said. It doesn't mean that, you know, I, I'm going to be forced to believe what they said. It, it's it's pursuit of truth, right? And you, and you should always be in pursuit of truth, even if it means you listen to something and you realize that you completely disagree with it and you don't think it's truthful at all at least you've gone down that road at least you've examined at least you've tried to use reason instead of this passion and emotion to to fire you up and say no absolutely this is what i believe you've challenged yourself and that's a great segue into the next headline and this is regarding the new york times now the durham report has come out and it says that hillary clinton and operatives actually spied on the donald trump campaign and the white house this is, um, this is worse than Watergate. Uh, but the Times uh, headlined its Monday story, court filings started a furor in right-wing outlets, but their narrative is off track and claim the alarmist narrative highlights the channel challenge for journalists to de- in deciding what merits coverage. This is what they said. Upon close inspection, these narratives are often based on a misleading presentation of the facts or outright misinformation. They also tend to involve dense and obscure issues, so dissecting them requires asking readers to expend significant mental energy and time, raising the question of whether news outlets should even cover such claims. Yet Trump allies portray the news media as engaged in a cover-up if they don't. It looks to me like they think that we're too dumb to figure it out, Alan. What do you, Steve, and you're, you're going to want to say something, Steve, I know. <laughs> Not only are we too dumb to know it, but, hey, this might be difficult for you, so please don't even try to understand and know it. <laughs> I almost fell out of my chair when I first read it because, okay, there was a time delay. Uh, Durham dropped this bomb, what, last Friday, and as was pointed out, the Sunday morning news shows on all the major outlets, they didn't even touch it. And as did the New York Times not touch it. So here they are offering a reason, you know, for why we just didn't think we wanted to burden our readers with it. Isn't that nice? And that should be absolutely terrifying. If there, if there is no there there, then there is a there there. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, Kim, this actually segues pretty good into um, – some of what the anti-federalists said, you know, it's very interesting reading the anti-federalists when they were debating about the Constitution, they actually encouraged because, you know, just like the Federalist Papers, they published in newspapers these these arguments, you know, they were mm-hmm. publishing in newspapers back and forth. So people could read both sides. So people could read both sides. And the anti-federalists told the people, read this Constitution as proposed and understand how it works. And here we're going to help try and guide you in how we think it's going to work. Mm-hmm. But they put the onus on the people to understand the Constitution as proposed. They challenged, like, you know, the yeomen, the farmers, the the priests, you know, the people working in the cities. They said, you need to read and understand this Constitution so you can tell your elected representatives whether you agree with it or not. And it, it's so amazing seeing the change in discourse between then and now. You know, back then they were actually encouraging people to 
have this civic knowledge in what's going on and say, look and investigate and understand how your government works. You know, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists both argued for that. And now we have literally one of the leading publications in the land saying, hey, please don't try and understand what's happening in your government. Just trust us to cover it appropriately. And, or not and, cover it. Or not cover it. Or we're going to not cover what we don't think you need to know, right? As opposed to this this honest and earnest seeking of truth. And, and that is a, a big difference between then and now was this ownership of, of the government. You know, right now the government and progressives like to say, let the government run the government and you run – you, you do your own thing over here. We're the experts. We know what we're doing. You just go do you over there, and we'll we'll tell you how to live and how you fit into our plan for your life. But we'll take your we'll take part of your earnings to fund us. Exactly, because yeah. government doesn't create anything. No, it doesn't. But you know, we're going to take all this money and we're going to run your life and and just you know keep your head in your own lane over there, and mm-hmm. we'll stay in our government lane over here. And. You know, back then there was this large fear of government. There was this large fear of power because they just, you know, unburdened themselves from this monarchy that that was trying to control their lives in every aspect. And so when they were looking at their governance, they were, you know, even all the way down to the farmer was saying, no, I want to know what's going on. I want to know how my government's working. I want to know how I fit in it. And I'm going to seek that truth. And, And everybody that was framing these political arguments was telling them to do the work because as we all know, freedom is hard. Freedom is hard. And there's so many great quotes in here. Uh, You had mentioned here, uh, let's see, you said DeWitt. So DeWitt was one of the anti-federalists or somebody writing for that? Right. So you know how um, the Federalist Papers use Publius as Mm -hmm. their kind of pen name? Well, the anti-federalists were a lot less organized and concerted. It was a lot more just several different people trying to write against it, which is pretty ironic when you when you think about uh, the different positions of the anti-federalists and federalists mm-hmm. that you know Hamilton Madison and John Jay had a very concerted effort of trying to explain the constitution and the anti-federalists were kind of this ragtag group so there were actually several different pen names so the anti-federalists used uh, Centennial Brutus DeWitt um, let's see here the the freedom or the Federal Farmer was another one, and Cato. So they had all these different pen names. So when, when you see the, the article, when I say Brutus or DeWitt, that's, the, that's, that's similar the to Publius. And, and, you know, they tried to also use a lot of the historical knowledge of, of Roman people. And I, I won't get into that now, but it is kind of interesting uh, if you want to look up Centennial or Cato or Brutus and understand why they were using those pen names. It is a fascinating a uh, little 30 minutes of your life. Okay. Well, I highly recommend that. But here you said, uh, while DeWitt was talking about the proposed Constitution, he was advocating that all should practice the virtue of self-assertion to learn. I thought that was great. Yeah, and it, real quick. So the quote was, And every man is a traitor to himself and his posterity who shall ratify it with his signature without first endeavoring to understand it. And, of course, they were talking about the Constitution at the time, but I, I drew the comparison of you know Nancy Pelosi and, and Barack Obama standing up on their podiums and say, we need to pass it to understand it, right? You know, we need to just pass this, just trust us. Uh, you don't need to read it. You don't need to exert that sort of mental energy. Trust us. We wrote the bill. And it would be shocking in our, in our current political discourse if we called people traitors 
for not expending that mental energy to get to know what our government is trying to do. Can you imagine walking up to your neighbor and saying you're a traitor because you just say, oh, well, I trust Nancy Pelosi. I trust, you know, Chuck Schumer or, you know, even on the opposite, you know, I, I trust Paul Ryan or or fill in, you know, whatever Republican you trust the most. Um, if you just said I trust them. I'm not going to endeavor to learn what my government is doing, and you called them a traitor for doing it, man, it would definitely change our political discussions, wouldn't it? And it would definitely put that onus back on your neighbor, back on whoever you're talking to, to say, no, you need to have that want and desire to actually learn about what's happening, even if it's through other trusted sources other than elected and political operatives. Ellen, are you encouraged? I am, because I am seeing everyday people, as you said, the farmers and the merchants and teachers, everyday people. I'm seeing a a hunger to start to uh, reclaim our We the People government. This, This whole thing that happened in San Francisco, we had Helen Raleigh on yesterday. She was out in San Francisco regarding recalling those uh, three really radical progressive school board members where I- I'm very encouraged that people may be starting to grab back the self-assertion. I'm hoping this program that we do is helpful for people every day. I hope so too. And, and you know, it's very interesting, this this whole trucker thing up in Canada too. It, it's absolutely fascinating seeing people actually doubling down. You know, Trudeau grabbed his emergency powers on Wednesday and the, the Freedom Convoy basically said, That's exactly why we're here. We're not leaving because you did it. We're here because we were scared you might do something even more like that. So, you know. Now now Trudeau's uh, and and corporations are freezing bank accounts. And he said, I want to take your licenses and your insurance. And I think this may open up the whole conversation about licensing. I, I certainly hope so, but but you're absolutely right. Like one of the one of the four virtues of of good citizenship is self assertion, and and they've created this fear in us that we shouldn't be assertive. We shouldn't try and look into the science. You're not an expert. You shouldn't look into the science. We're the experts. We should. Don't assert yourself. Don't don't try and push yourself to to seek truth to seek clarity. You just stay back, and we'll tell you what to do. So, but give us your money so we can do it. <laughs> exactly. But that turns into also one of the other virtues is self-reliance. You know, give us your money. We'll give some of it back to you so that you rely on the government. You know, uh, you see all these federal programs, these these grants, these tax incentives, these tax credits. And it's just really ways for the government to say, we want you to rely on us. And, and we're seeing a lot of people start to say, no, maybe maybe this isn't such a good idea. Maybe the trillions of dollars spent in the war on poverty hasn't worked. So maybe there's there might be another way we need to do this. And the war on drugs? Who's the biggest drug pusher out there right now? It's the government. I, I mean, the war on pretty much fill in the blank, everything the government has ever had a war on, they've never succeeded. They, but they've somebody's gotten rich on it. So much money at it. So much money at it in decades and decades and decades of time. And everything the government tries to make better, it's made worse. You know, education, drugs, crime, poverty. 
they, they've gotten worse over time. Yeah. Homelessness. Everything, yes. As uh, Dr. Jill Vecchio says, when government gets involved, the price goes up, the quality goes down, and the supply becomes limited. We're going to go to break in studio. It's an Alan Thomas Friday. Uh, before we do that, though, Kirsch Insurance Group is another great sponsor of the show. Speaking of government, uh, Medicare. Uh, it's clear as mud to me. That's why you need somebody on your side of the table, and that is Kirsch Insurance Group. Uh, they are experts in the Medicare arena. They work with a lot of different carriers so they can help you uh, navigate through this. And I guess Medicare premiums went up significantly, and there are things out there that can help you save uh, some money. And so be sure and check ikirsch.com out. That's I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. We'll be right back with Alan Thomas. With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to Kim and the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. And uh, uh, thrilled to have in studio with me, Alan Thomas. He's written this piece, What the Anti-Federalists Got Right. Before we get into this, was Thomas Jefferson an anti-federalist? He was an anti-federalist, though he didn't write for the anti-federalist papers. And he actually viewed the federalist papers as a genuine reflection on on the intent of the Constitution. So he did encourage people to read the federalist papers to understand why the the Constitution was written the way it was and why it was supposed to operate the way it was. Now, they disagreed. And uh, they called each other names. And actually, they sometimes picked up weapons (laughs) against each other as well. But... When we talk about bipartisanship and reaching across the aisle, we have reached across the aisle consistently and moved us to a bigger and bigger government. We now see many of them as tyrants. Uh, you mentioned Justin Trudeau. I mean, the veil is off on on this particular agenda. But, Alan, what I saw with the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists is they both believed in kind of this big goal of liberty. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need to come together and unite again. Right. And, and, you know, that was, again, that was what was kind of shocking to me. Again, you know, talking about liberty and freedom. And it was it was kind of interesting hearing people like Madison be called unprincipled, you know, by the anti-federalists. <laughs> and you're like, wait, that's one of the more principled people who who was responsible for our government. And, and, you know, when you sit down and you look back at it, you think, no, they both had the same principle. They just disagreed on how to apply it. Um, but... They still but, but were here. able to right, but but now we're disagreeing about even the big foundational principle. We're mm-hmm. we're disagreeing on how the government should even be run. We have Marxists and we have constitutional conservatives, and you're like you're not even in the same ballpark, you know. And it, it's kind of interesting because again, 
one of the concerns that the Anti-Federalists had is they understand human nature and they knew that Marxism, you know, monarchies, dictatorships don't work. They don't, for, they don't uh, further freedom. They don't allow people to uh, practice liberty. And so they wanted to do whatever they could to stay away from that. And they were really worried that uh, this constitution would lead to a monarchy. It would lead to, um, as they called it many times, an aristocracy. They were really concerned about how how rich the Constitutional Convention members were and the people who wrote the Constitution, they said, you're basically just trying to create an aristocracy. And so they, they were really concerned about that. And, and one of the quotes that, that kind of goes along with our discussion earlier was, in so extensive a republic, the great officers of government would soon become above the control of the people and abuse their power to the purpose of aggrandizing themselves and oppressing them. And, you know, as we've gone through COVID, that quote has again, struck a little too close to home. I mean, you think about Dr. Fauci. I mean, who hasn't heard of him? Who hasn't? And literally, you know, you have one piece after another tying him to this Wuhan lab and tying him to all these nefarious things. And yet he's still out there. He's on every social media. He's on every, you know, camera he can get himself in front of aggrandizing himself. And, and I made the argument that this goes beyond just a person, too. I mean, you think about the IRS going after, you know, conservative organizations, you know, a ways back. You look at now the FBI and, and CIA were literally spying on a, a sitting president. You have Hillary Clinton getting away with whatever she wants to get away with. These are we sit here and we, you know, a lot of people think this doesn't really impact me. Okay, she did something bad, but that doesn't really impact me. But it is. It's it's oppressing you because it's people abusing their power, abusing the freedom and liberties of others. And if they can do it to other people, they can do it to you. And we need to get back to this this discourse. We need to get back to this fundamental virtue of civic knowledge and understanding how and why this government works. That way we can begin having these, again, political discussions that are, we may disagree on the means and methods, but at least we agree that we want to be free. At least we agree that that liberty may be hard and scary, but at least it's something worth striving towards. And I think people are waking up to that, and and we do need to reclaim that. And you said in the piece here, you said the arguments for a large regulatory state become unnecessary if the citizens of a free country instead had the simple core virtues of self-reliance, self-restraint, and self-assertion. Uh, great, just a great piece. We've got maybe about three minutes. How would you like to button this whole thing up here? You know, again, I think I would just say challenge yourself. You know, wisdom is is really the pursuit of truth. And, and you can't pursue truth if you think you're in this static state of I know, I understand, and I'm going to. You know, you and I, Kim, we, we're both students of the Constitution. We like to know how it works. And yet I never read the Anti-Federalist before. And and it's it's you have to pursue truth. You have to be willing to challenge yourself. You can't sit back and just say, I know this. I understand it stamp that is done you have to always be willing to to challenge yourself even things that you've always thought you've always known be willing to to challenge them and you know in when i say challenge them it doesn't mean you need to change whole cloth what you think sometimes it may um but you reinforce these principles these ideas the more that you challenge them so i would encourage you you know read a CNN article occasionally try and get the other Mm -hmm. side of the story engage in your neighbors that you know are are way far left of where you are try and be persuasive and and just challenge yourself because 
you know, they had these arguments based about the Constitution way back then. And that's how we got a lot of what we have. You know, we wouldn't have the Bill of Rights if it weren't for the Anti-Federalists. They would not have put the Bill of Rights in. And, you know, there were lots of good arguments made by our founding fathers on why we shouldn't have the Bill of mm-hmm. Rights. You know, that they felt Congress that- has enumerated powers. So if if we didn't give them that power, then they can't do it. So they saw the Second Amendment as, well, we didn't give Congress the power to regulate gun ownership. So they don't have that power. And the Anti-Federalists were terrified that the government would start to infringe on these rights. And they you said, <laughs> no, we want the Bill of Rights in there. We're not going to ratify this Constitution without it. So, you know, it was through this discussion, this argument that we we got into this place. And, and I think that's also a good segue kind of into this election cycle. You know, just because you disagree with a Republican or a conservative or a libertarian about one issue doesn't mean you need to sabotage their campaign for the rest of the way. Because... You know, we have a primary for a reason, so you can hopefully choose the best candidate, but you're not going to ever have a candidate that thinks exactly like you. You know, you and I, Kim, we, we think a lot alike, but there's going to be things that we no. disagree on. But that doesn't mean that I should try and sabotage your, your personal life, sabotage your career, sabotage your, your goal for elected office. It, it just means... I need to be better at persuading you at what I think we disagree on. And instead of getting mad at the other person, you know, have a little bit self-reflection and think, I need to get better at persuading. I need to better myself at these arguments. Ellen Thomas, so wise. It's great to have you here. Great to be here, Kim. And be sure and check out uh, this weekend. We'll be posting that on the website, What the Anti-Federalists Got Right by Ellen Thomas. Our quote for the end of the day is from Patrick Henry. He said, fear is the passion of slaves. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. But tell them 